Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. We are back for another weekend. Uh, different circumstances, as most people would have seen. We posted up. I'm fresh out of hospital, so recording from home. And Boxhead, you're at uh, your household as well, so no gossip tonight because uh, we're obviously not in the same room and can't link a third person in. But uh, no fan questions, a bit of a shortened pod, but we'll get through all the usual good stuff. Uh, we'll review the games from the weekends. We've got all. Uh, Mr. Gossip's Dirt, we'll do the odds, the tips, the power rankings and our set of six. We sure will. 100%. Mate, uh, how's things on your end? How are you feeling? All good. Yeah, all good. Enjoy the the weekend's festivities with Mr. Gossip. We obviously went to the the Panthers-Titans game. Disappointing result, but... uh, Yeah, I can't can't attend a game and have my team win, so... um, I just come to expect that when I go, that the side's going to get rolled. So, but other than that, you know, it was alright. It was alright. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good day. Yeah. But uh, kicking things off here, uh, I'll apologise in advance if I slip up or anything or sound a bit sluggish. The anaesthetic hasn't really worn off, but I think we'll kick off, as we always do, with the set of six. And I believe uh, you've got that there with you, Boxhead. No, wait, I do have it here. Uh, tackle one, uh, Soliola, and him not being sent off for that hit on the weekend on Slater. Obviously, plenty of controversy around that. So, what's your thoughts? Uh, look, I thought it was late. Uh, it was high, clenched fist. He knocked him out cold. Uh, when we were watching it live, I, uh, I, I didn't think it was as bad as when I got home and watched it on the big screen and had a couple of looks at it. It was clearly a send-off. How, how they fucked that up, I've got no idea. Uh, someone's got to take some accountability for that. Like, I mean, Tony Archer basically threw all the refs underneath the bus or threw the, the on-field ref under the bus um, saying he, sh- he should have been sent off. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the bunker had a look at it. They would have looked at it, you know, a handful of times at least and how they didn't come up with it, that's a send-off. I have no idea. So, uh, for... Anyone to say, like, I heard Paul Gallon this afternoon on the Dead Set Legend say that he didn't think it was a send-off. Like, man, if that's not a send-off, what is? Well, I know, again, you don't go off circumstances, but the bloke went off on a stretcher. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, whether it sounds biased or not, watching it live, we obviously disagreed about the severity of it. I thought he didn't have to hit him, even though he slipped, which I do agree. He did slip down, which made it look worse. He went in late, as far as I was concerned, and... Uh, you know, the, the result wasn't pretty in the end, but if that's not a send-off, you're never going to see one, eh? No, exactly right. So, yeah, shocking. Oh, I mean, they're currently... They're, they've been in for two hours so far, so we, we may... Well, I think we'll definitely get a verdict by the time we finish up, so we'll have a chat about it once the verdict comes down. But 
even for it to be referred straight to the judiciary to me is an overreaction because I don't think the intent, I don't think it was deliberate. So for it to be sent through without a charge means that it's worse than a grade five, which is intentional. So I think they've cocked that up as well. It's Yeah, it's just a monumental cock up. Uh, if he was just sent off and then charged with a grade four or something like that, it would have been easy. Yeah, well... We'll wait and see what the result is. For, uh, hopefully we get that by the end of tonight, and I'm sure we will, because about well, 8 o'clock... It's not, it's not really a fair trial for him, is it? Because now they're going to overreact because they know that he should have been sent off. Like, yeah. he, he shouldn't be punished for the fact that they weren't, he wasn't sent off. This is half of what I said the other night, as much as you well, don't like to... It's come through now. He's just been suspended for five games. Mm, yeah, well, even as a Melbourne fan, I don't agree with that, because, like I said to you, live, I thought it was a well, send-off. You think, you think it's too many? Yeah, I think it's too much. I don't think... Yeah, I think, I think four. I, I think four three to four. I think he slipped, but I, like I said to you, I still think uh, the intent, I don't think, was to attack the head, but I still think there was intent to hit him late, which is unnecessary. The fact that Billy Slater slipped has obviously made it worse, and he's gone off on a stretcher, and he's been ruled out completely this week um, from the concussion. So I think all those things, as much as people probably like to think they don't, uh, they do add up when you go to the judiciary, and we've seen it in the past when Cade Snowden shoulder charge Ray Thompson and splattered his jaw on his face and copped a bigger suspension than what you probably would have if he didn't break his jaw. But, um, yeah, the judiciary definitely is reactive on most occasions. Well, there you go. That was, pretty, that was good timing. So. Yeah. Uh, but that went out of the way. Oh, yeah, I think he's probably paid the price for the fact he didn't get sent off. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, referring to uh, what you mentioned before, uh, that game, that occasion, Ricky Stewart blowing up post-match about this. And before we get started on this, before you have your piece, I... Got to say, I saw an article yesterday, which is basically two people I was going to bring up before we got here, but uh, even better to see someone in the media at least highlight it, Brett Kamali, saying that it's funny that the two guys that always seem to be blaming the referees are Ricky Stewart and Des Hasler, who coached two of the most underachieving sides in the NRL this season, and instead of being accountable for their own actions, just keep pointing the finger. Fair point. And uh, I sat there and I was reading it, and I was like, about time someone in the mainstream called him out, because like I've said every week about the Des stuff, stop being such a stubborn prick and maybe own up to the fact that what you're doing as a coach is not working and make some changes. Maybe you won't cop so much criticism. And Ricky Stewart, Ricky Stewart, I said before, this environment, this ill-discipline, um, all these little bits and pieces, he's bred this He's bred this monster. Things looked good last year, but he was also the one going on about they need to be aggressive, they need to form an identity. He's let the reins loose on a few guys and uh, you know it's kind of taken its own form. They've lost that manly game early in the year from their ill-discipline and the fact they couldn't get their eyes off Dylan Walker round one, I thought they were really, really good against North Queensland, but blew that game again because of piss poor discipline and in plenty of other games, whether it be on the penalty count or their you know error rate, um, that's on him. Well, I find it, I find it astounding that he's he's got the nerve to go in and bitch about the referees when he's had one of the mo- most monumental cock-ups of the year go in his favour. Yeah, and he beat a side that lost Slater, like you said, didn't have a player sent off, and Smith was already off the field as well. So you had him down two players, uh, you know, down in Canberra, do or die for your season. Was he referring to any... I watched the press conference, and he didn't refer to anything specifically, but... Just deflecting, just being... We watched the game. There's no real glaring cock-ups from the... I don't know what he's referring to. Well, Des, Des Hasler whinged as well, and I thought the same. He got blown away by 40 points. Uh, I don't know what you could be referring to because, honestly, the dogs were just disgraceful as well. So I kind of do a look at this one and combine the pair of them together, and then I read what Brett Kamali... Even, even this culture that we've got, I like the deflection. We're just blame the rest of it. Like, really? Do people really... Are people really that dumb that 
to buy that. Like, your team just fucking underperformed, don't it? And give us reasons why, or shut up and just fix it. Yeah, and at the same time, again, like, this is that culture we spoke before about we try not to ref bash unless there's an absolute blunder because it's a hard enough job as it is. We want to see things fast and free-flowing. We shouldn't be talking about them. We shouldn't be discouraging them because of all the jobs that are difficult to do, refereeing is the most difficult and we're having a hard time getting kids to do it at a junior level and you wonder why. Exactly. So, yeah, just I thought in particular, though, I didn't need to say a whole lot after I read that article. I was more happy that someone finally, though, yeah, in good, the, on, good on Roddy Kamali for getting it up here. Yeah, in, in the mainstream to kind of outline those two and say it's pretty funny that week after week the two guys that keep whinging are two people in charge of teams that are underachieving. So instead of being yeah. accountable for your own actions, you know, uh, you know, just deflecting and pointing the finger elsewhere where you should just own up for shit coaching and tactics, most likely. Yeah. So, yeah, tackle three, this one, I think I might let you run right on. Daly to stick on as New South Wales coach and Gus Gould, he obviously had his say on the Blues. Well, it's, not official. it's not official, but that's what they're saying, that that's, that's what's going to ha- happen, pardon me, frog in the, frog in the throat. Yeah, and, and Gus came out on his podcast last week and said he looks cooked. Um, look, I, I find it astounding that New South Wales Rugby League is going to re-employ this bloke. Look, I, I get that he's a good guy, I get that you know, he did a lot for the, the jersey and all that sort of stuff. But his coaching record is abhorrent. He's lost the unlosable series. Um, the players obviously don't respect him enough in order to behave correctly in camp. Uh, I think he's picked the wrong side for, out of the five years, I reckon he's probably picked a handful of sides that I've agreed with. Craig Bellamy's came out and said that. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stand by that in that, you know, the greatest coach of the modern era, I think, in Craig Bellamy, agrees with that sentiment. So, and I tend to agree with what Gus said. He looks emo- he looks drained. He looks emotionally drained. And to be fair, I don't understand why he'd want to coach outside again because they, they certainly didn't really have a go for him in that last game. That was horrendous how they, how they played. Uh, I know he was a passionate player, but even again, I agree that he looks fried because he didn't look a whole lot surprised or bothered by the result. He almost looked like relieved that the whole thing was over. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really want someone in charge who... If by the end of a three-game series, whether it's emotional or not, and people are taking personal shots at you, look like they're just happy that it's all over. I want somebody in charge who's going to be crushed that we've been beaten and is going to have a bit of fire. And again, I know we just took a shot at him before. I don't agree with his uh, coaching tactics a lot of times, but the way Ricky Stewart did the job when he was in there, maybe not uh, the sides he picked or, like I said, the way he carried on all the time, but that's the kind of spite or fire I want to see from a bloke who's in charge of our state side, not somebody sitting there after game three like, whoa. Well, you know, we tried. We're all to blame. Like just copping on the chin and looking with a smile. Like, thank fuck, that's over. Yeah, I think it's quite clear that uh, it's gotten the better of him, and he's, you know, his heart's not in it. Like he, he, after a three-game series, if you're that flat, you shouldn't be doing the job. Yeah, I agree. Alrighty, tackle four. Luke Lewis and his 300th game, and uh, I, I suppose this is even more a bigger effort because he had a bit of a bad run of injuries there, kind of the the, the late. 2000s heading into 2010 etc and then obviously the switch of clubs from Penrith to Canola and the culture change at Penrith are going for but bigger than anything I think he debuted in 01 when I was 11 years old I'm now 27 he started on the wing he's played center back row in the heart there's not any job he hasn't done possibly besides nine and I'm sure in his utility role for New South Wales and Australia at some point he has played some dummy half but what a career what a bloke, um, and it's just scary that he's still playing such outstanding football. But 
Yeah, with all the injuries, all the little bit of adversity, switching clubs, and obviously had that health scare as well to make 300 and uh, just be such a well-rounded player and at the rep level, we've mentioned it before, so good for New South Wales. Uh, congratulations to Luke Lewis on his 300s. Yeah, he, he, uh, he was playing HG Ball when I was playing Harold Matthews. That was 2000 and what about 2001, 2002. So that gives you some sort of indication of how long he's been around um, and hasn't missed many games. Consummate professional, good guys, done you know all the right things both on and off the field. So it was yeah, it was just good to see him rack up 300 and hopefully he can play on and, and be in that top 10 of uh, players that have reached, or our all-time players and players that have reached over 300 games. Yeah, well, that's, so there's a few coming. I think Paul Gallon's only a game or two off getting his. Cameron Smith, uh, he's only a game or two off 350. So there's a few milestones coming up. And Chris Heinington obviously passed the 300 mark this year. So a lot of players now with sports science, modified training loads and everything that's uh, in place. I think we're going to see a lot more in the future playing 300 plus. Yeah, agreed. Uh, tackle five, obviously not a great way to end the weekend, uh, but compared to some of the other incidents we've seen, I'm not trying to make it seem less less important or you know less on the scale, but Josh Reynolds obviously getting punted uh, from Northies on the weekend. I think he was out with a couple of Doggies players and some of their partners and disagreed with uh, a bar member who told him that he'd had too much and refused to leave, and the cops caught up with him a little more after and. I guess it's all hearsay what you read, but probably more disappointing that once they were ejected, all the other players and partners uh, obviously went with the flow and agreed that they'd had too much and left peacefully. But apparently once they got outside, he was calling uh, them dogs because they didn't have his back. So you could assume that was alcohol. It probably hasn't been the greatest of years for him. And again, uh, I don't want to defend the actions, but in comparison to a lot of the other things that have happened off field, I think it's just a bloke who's had a little bit too much to drink. But if anything, it probably sums up more again and, I hate throwing a shot while they're down, the the Bulldogs and how they're going this year and probably the mood of the camp over there. Yeah, it's probably not ideal for him to be abusing a bar made in women and league rounds. So, yeah, well, that's uh, the other part. It was disappointing to kind of throw a bit of shade over that, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, blokes that shouldn't drink, it's going to be it's a long conversation. But uh, he's got form. He's got form on the drink. So, um, look. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's the disappointing aspect of it. Is, is it a worst crime in the world? No, it's not. No, but, it's not. But like we said, avoidable and, and, and it shouldn't happen. The timing of it all, um, you know, after the Dugan Ferguson thing again, probably just more the stereotype that I've said before, and I think you've agreed with being ex football players or football players in general, um, you get tarred with a brush because of a small few, which really pisses me off because a lot of people tend to think that if one does that or one bloke's uneducated, that everybody's the same, which is. Far from the truth, there's a young bloke at the Broncos, for Christ's sake, in the 20s. I think it's the halfback, Jerome Burns. I could be wrong, but I heard that the other day. He got a 99-something UAI, and he's studying medicine. And uh, a majority of those good 20s kids and a lot of first graders are studying and do have a degree. But it's little moments like this that throw shade on everybody and um, the Dugan-Ferguson thing. But I think the big thing, like I said, uh, women in league round throws a little bit of shade on that and the fact that was a female bar member and he's someone who has been on TV a lot of times for the close relationship he does have with his mum and um, all the people in his life. So I'm, I'm sure he's feeling, um, you know, pretty silly um, for getting himself in trouble on the weekend. But, yeah, probably sums up again, like I said, the feeling in the Bulldogs camp um, that, you know, 
things like this are happening or they're all out in the drink already knowing that their season's over. Alrighty, and the last tackle is the Panthers. They're probably the last one. I don't know if you agree or not. As far as I'm concerned, they'd have a chance to get into the eight. A uh, couple of wins in a row. Got one on the weekend, but the Dragons, who seem to be falling off the bandwagon, sparked back into gear, got back into basics, uh, and they fired a shot. Looking at these two sides, uh, they're one win apart. Four and against is obviously going to play a part. But I honestly think, and I know you don't like to look at the draw, but I have... Uh, I think this could come down to when they play each other in round 25 to affect who gets in. And uh, you know, looking at this, the Dragons coming up, they play Newcastle, South Sydney, the Titans. Uh, you know, there's probably a couple there you think, and the Titans are 50-50 game. The Broncos is the one they play that's a hard game. Uh, but then they play Penrith and finish with the Dogs. So if you ask me out of those six, I reckon there's probably three I'd tick them off for and maybe 50-50 between Panthers and Titans. But on the Panthers side of things, a win back. They've got the Dogs, the Tigers, the Cowboys, the Raiders, Dragons, and obviously Manly. And looking at their setup, uh, Dogs, Tigers, I'm probably willing to give them. But Cowboys, Manly, and the Canberra game, uh, I'd probably have 50-50 on a lot of them. So I don't know who gets in, but if uh, the Dragons couldn't have picked a better time to kind of spark up again. No, no, they, they couldn't. But in saying that, they, they scored a lot of tries off kicks in that first half. Um and then they allowed Manly basically back into the game. So and Manly rested a few players. So I'm not I won't be convinced on the Dragons until I see some consistency. But and the same as the Panthers. I mean, I think the Panthers have won five from seven, their last seven, but you know, that they, they seem to just as soon as they seem to have me convinced, they lay an egg like they did against South and you know, they didn't look overly convincing against the Titans on the weekend. I didn't think the Titans played their best game, so uh at, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I honestly hope that it gets to that game and that's basically a semi-final. That would be a good way to finish the season, you know, to have at least a couple of teams playing each other that are, that are in contention for the finals. Um, anyone, behind, anyone behind the Panthers, they're going to have to go six from six. So, uh, look, that, that was a game the Titans had to win on the weekend. Uh, I'd be very, very shocked if anyone behind Panthers now made the eight. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And uh, seeing again today the Raiders, who have supposed to have kick-started their season week after week after week, have gone 6-6 six and six is not out of possibility, but uh, I beg to differ. I really, really do. So, um, yeah, I think it comes down to these two. But that wraps up the set of six. Moving on to our power rankings for this week. And uh, honestly, I don't have a whole lot of change in mine. So uh, if you've got those there with you, my number one still remains the Melbourne Storm for obvious reasons. Yeah, I've got the um, I've got the storm at one. Yeah, so they shan't they shan't be moving for me. No, and I think this week, even with Slater out, they've named Smith. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confident that my my uh, power rankings haven't moved. I don't I don't think, but yeah, I, it's all good. We'll, we'll give them again. I've changed one on mine, but the Roosters remain at number two for me. Uh, you know, a couple of changes in their spine, but still got the job done on the weekend. I've got the Sharks at two, Roosters at three. Yeah, well, I've got the Sharks at three. I thought that was scrappy, but uh, nevertheless, another win. And the Broncos at four. I've got the Broncos at four, obvious reasons. They're kicking yep. along nicely. They've had injury concerns, and they're getting healthy at the right time of the year. Yep, lots of uh, halves combinations, getting Boyd back, get their origin players back, and, uh, yeah, things coming together nicely. But the change for me, I've moved the Cowboys up to number five. Yeah, well, I've had them there for weeks, so they remain at five for me. Yep, uh, another scrappy win, but a win nevertheless. And Manly, for me, they dropped back to six. Yeah, I've got Manly at six. 
Uh, I've stayed solid on the Eels at seven off the result, even though Gutherson is out. And, uh, you know, that's probably more for the reasons, like, again, I, I, they've got a win over the Dragons uh, and they're still ahead of them on the table. Dragons still at eight. I held on them last week and I've left them there. No, I've got the Panthers still at eight um, and the Dragons I've got just outside, obviously. Fair enough. And as far as we've uh, we've been unlocking and cutting the last few weeks, my locks have been Melbourne. Well, look, I, I, reckon, I reckon we should lock two and cut two this week. That's what, that's what I reckon. I reckon we should put the cags out there a little bit. Oh, I, think so, it's, I think it's quite easy. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the locks I already had were Melbourne, Roosters, Sharks, and Manly. I'm happily uh, going to add the Broncos and the Cowboys. Yep, right. Well, I had Storm, Sharks, Roosters, Cowboys. Sorry, Storm, Sharks, Roosters, Broncos, and I'm happy to lock the Cowboys, and I'm very happy to lock Manly. Yep, and as far as uh, cuts, I'd already cut the Knights, the Tigers, Souths, and the Warriors, but I'm happy to add the Dogs and the Raiders. Right, I uh, I had cut Tigers, Knights, Dogs, Rabbitohs, and <clears throat> after this week, I am very happy to cut the Warriors, and I will cut the Titans. Oh, there you go, chop, 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 chop. No, nope. I, I think the Raiders are more likely to go on a run than what the Titans are. Yeah, not really an interesting year to be doing power rankings, to be honest, because it hasn't uh, deviated a whole lot and. Obviously, that uh, run usually for the bottom half of the eight has sorted itself so next out. Week, next week, we'll finalise it then because we'll, we'll, we'll have to, because it's been uh, moving a little bit, uh, a little bit <clears throat> well, quicker than what we'd, we'd expect. Usually, this time of the year, there's about 12 teams still in contention, but um, it just hasn't worked out that way. This year's a bit of an outlier in that respect, isn't it? Yeah, well, in that case, like I said, it'll basically be you'd be picking between the Dragons and the Panthers, really, just to see who's going to lock in that spot, I'd assume, but. Um, yeah, we'll do that next week. But that's your power rankings. That's your set of six done. Uh, I've got Gossip's Dirt, and we've got the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com where we do our tips. But first of all, we'll review the games from the weekend. Uh, I apologise again if I'm a bit hazy or I sound a bit off track. I, I can't remember. If they don't like it, then tough titties. Yeah, well, I'm still here doing it, aren't I? So you can't... Need to be, uh, uh, if it was a full-time job, then, then people could uh, criticise it. That's it, but I'm off my chops on uh, Fort and some anaesthetic, and I got out of hospital today, so we're still here doing the job, as always, for the fans, but the first game... I did a, uh, I did a 14k run today, so I'm in no state to be doing this either. So. That's right, but like we always say, do, do, doing it for the... What do I do it myself? Doing it for the fans, but uh, Broncos... I have an operation that runs 14 kilometres, I've got to be honest. What's that? I said I'd rather have an operation than... Uh, and run 14 kilometres. Oh, I don't know if you'd agree in this circumstance. Uh, pretty, pretty close. Pretty close. Mm, nah. But uh, Broncos, 42-12 to 12 over the Bulldogs. This one doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Uh, honestly, I don't know what Des Hasler was whinging about. As usual, completely inept in attack. Uh, attitude piss poor, and in particular, edge defence. They're absolutely torn apart. Coming into this, I think they had, uh, I think someone said they had the third or fourth best defensive record. But again, it doesn't really matter if you can't. Uh, you know, stop uh, any... So I can't uh, score any points, and it's not like they've been really good at scoring probably two-plus a game. And Brisbane, they conceded one earlier, but they completely outclassed them after that. Nick Arima, I thought, was outstanding at fullback. Andrew McCulloch, who never gets enough credit at nine, set a couple up, and 
Uh, Moga and Roberts on both edges. They've got two different types of centers but and two different types of threats. But the last couple of weeks, they've both been absolutely irresistible. And Maguire and Gillette on return, outstanding. Um, all players concerned with the Brisbane side, really outstanding. And the Dogs, again, uh, every week just sums up their season, how things are going and a lack of change and you know the need for change in Belmore. Yeah, well, it was a contest for about 25 minutes, I think, this game. And then it just turned into boys versus men and the Bulldogs couldn't keep up. Simple as that. They they were terrible, the Dogs. And there's going to be big questions asked. I think there's a board meeting tonight or tomorrow night uh, where it's it wasn't a planned board meeting, so they can only be discussing one thing. That's the form of the team and whether the coach goes around next year. Uh, on the Broncos side of things, look, they're building nicely. They're getting their combinations set. They're at home. Uh, I would have been disappointed if I was Bennett in their first 25 minutes. I thought they were a little bit lethargic and slow out of the blocks. And when they play a better team, they're not going to be able, able to afford those sides, that sort of a start, um, because they'll find themselves behind by more points than, than what they did. But outside of that, Brisbane, far too good. And they, they are looking... Like they, uh, if they can land themselves in the top four, Brisbane, they're going to be really tough to beat. Yeah, like you said, coming right at the right time. Uh, had some halves changes during the year. Boyd's been injured. Origin effect. Corey Oates still missing. Um, so they're getting players back at the right time, starting to find form at the right time. And uh, if everything falls in place, there's no reason why they can't be a bit of a dark horse if they get top four. But, yeah, Bulldogs, it's definitely all over for them. And uh, I say it every week, they're the one team I just don't enjoy watching. I honestly... As much as Newcastle uh, shut down a lot of second halves, I'm more interested to see them because I think they put in a lot more effort and they play a better brand of football than the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are the most yep. boring team in the comp. Yeah, that's enough on the dogs. Yep. Moving on to that poor team, the Newcastle Knights, they went down to the Roosters 28-4. to uh, It took some time to make it happen, but the, the Roosters got the job done. Uh, some forced changes there. Obviously, Friend was out, Mick Gordon out. Uh, Victor Radley played in the under-20s grand final last year. Absolutely outstanding at lock. He's been playing more nine this year in the 20 setup, but uh, I thought he was did solid. See, did you see his brother run on the field? Who's that? His brother ran on the field after the game. Clawing drugs. Nah, didn't see it. Loaded. And then got chased off by security and hurdled the fence. It's good. Excellent. <laughs> Fair enough. Didn't spot that one, and if I did, I don't remember I, I thought it. He went, I thought he went good, the kid, but he went real good. Yeah, well, I got a big rap on him when he was playing at lock. Didn't... Uh, Expect the move to nine. I haven't seen much of their 20 side this year, but uh, I believe when he got picked for the junior Kangaroos, he was still playing at 13. So versatility, yeah. solid first grader. Uh, Connor Watson, as most people know, can play a few positions. What's his best? We don't know, but I thought he was pretty good the other night at fullback. And coincidentally, the team he's playing against, Newcastle, got a glimpse at what is going to be supposedly their future 5-8 because he's just signed with them. And obviously, Callum Pong is there. So Brock Lamb, Cogger. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Ponga, like we said, going there. And now Watson, they're going to be very, very young in the spine with Danny Levi also at nine. So making some yeah. moves in that regard. But uh, I thought they were, they were pretty solid considering the new spine. Newcastle, simple as what we said. Small squad, lots of young blokes. It's been a hard year and they're running out of petrol. It's the back end of the year. They're definitely ready for a break. Yeah, um, they're, they're having a go. <clears throat> Newcastle are having a go. And again, they came up short. Because the Roosters' reserve grade side can almost feel a better side than what Newcastle have got up there for reasons already stated. Uh, we're not going to go on about the Newcastle situation or the Roosters' situation. We know they've got good depth. Uh, this just highlighted that. It probably took them a little longer than what they would have liked, uh, but that, that, you've got to give 
credit to Newcastle for that because they turn up and have a red hot crack every week and the wheels roll on for the Roosters. It's a win they needed and a win they got. Yep, 100% true, and highlighting that depth you're talking about was the fact up until two weeks ago, because they've had to start using some players from their cup side because they've been healthy, uh, Wyong had only lost one game and were three or four wins clear at the top of the New South Wales Cup. Yeah. So very, very healthy squad position and a, a solid win for the Roosters there. But moving on to the Sharks, and they beat South 26-12. This was just a repeat of almost every game you watched this year, and I sound like I'm a broken record with the Sharks, a lot like the Dogs, but... Errors and penalties and just their ill-discipline kept South in the game, but it doesn't seem to matter for them. They always find a way to close things out. And I thought Wade Graham was outstanding. Luke Lewis, I didn't think he had the best night in his 300th and almost had that stink with uh, old Goodwin over there. But uh, probably two things that really stood out for me in this game were when Seguiara came on, I thought the Sharks lost all control, forced a lot of passes and had some errors. But when New Brown was there, um, had a rap on him coming to the juniors as a nine, I think they looked really stable and... Um, another point I've banged the drum about plenty of times is on the south side of things, how Cook doesn't play the lion's share of minutes or how he's been dropped a few times this year absolutely has me baffled because Robbie Farrow had a couple of absolutely disgusting misses that led to tries, and when he was on, things just don't move forward. But when Cook's there, their best 20-minute period of the game was when he was on because he just absolutely burns out of dummy half. He's got lightning boots. He puts those big forwards over the advantage line and to be honest, they need that sort of help there because a couple of those Burgess boys in particular are very sluggish and uh, need a bit of assistance around the ruck, but that's probably the thing that stood out for me the most. Yeah, they, these sides are as patchy, patchy as each other. Uh, South's just more patchy than Cronulla, but it was a pretty ugly game to watch, frustrating game to watch. Uh, you just felt like Cronulla were going were gonna to get it the whole way along because South just couldn't kick away, regardless of how much possession or opportunity they had. Uh, I, I, I didn't mind. Luke Lewis um, sort of give Bryson Goodwin a, a little bit of a, a rough up, and did, didn't he snap? He snapped like a big girl, Bryson Goodwin. He, he was in a bad. Uh, he was in a bad mood during that game. Though. There was a few tackles yeah, where right. he got some pushes in and some other bits and pieces early on, and I thought, I don't know what's yeah gotten into him. To be honest, I don't know if it's the fact that uh, he didn't get an NRL contract and he's on the way to the Super League, so he's feeling a bit spiteful of what the go is. But yeah, um, yeah early doors, he was he was very very pushy and shabby and. Yeah, I thought Lewis may have got a rough one over the top of him, maybe with a bit of the forearm, but uh, the reaction, I was waiting for him to throw one, to be honest. Yeah, well, why didn't he? If you're that upset about it, then throw one. Yeah, well, again, the only thing I can say is they're still right on the top. Uh, They've been winning regardless, worst completion rate in the comp, and still winning games. That probably sums up why, like I said, when they get it right, like they did against the Roosters, they have to be taken seriously, and they've got one of the the styles. Because that's what they're waiting for. Yeah, and they've got one of the styles that can challenge Melbourne, and they've proved that by beating Melbourne. So um, I expect better things from them when September football rolls around. But uh, South Sydney, their season was already over a couple of weeks ago, I think, and the best thing they can keep doing is rolling a couple of these young blokes in. And if Cook's not starting this week, and I suppose we'll look at the lineups later when we do our tips, I'm I'm not here. I don't know what Mogwai's saying. I really don't. No, I agree. Uh, Farrah should be in reserve grade the way he's playing. Yeah, well, like I said, two absolutely awful no, misses no, the other one. No, all the shit that Jason Taylor's caught, he had it right. Oh, he was 100% right. Not many people, I don't know how many people now that are matey-matey with Robbie Farrow in the media saying that, you know, didn't Jason Taylor get that one right? Because Farrow's form's been, you know, seemed to even be mentioned by Daly as a potential nine. Highlights how incompetent Daly is, but... It just shows you how far Farrah's form slipped for whatever reason. I don't know. Like People just get to a certain age sometimes and their form just hits a wall. And 
Barras has hit the wall and gone backwards. So. Yeah, well, I said it a few years ago. I wasn't impressed. Uh, my back door. Cook, Cook can't get a stable NRL job. It just hasn't been. Well, well, I'll, I'll, th- no idea. I'll throw it out there again. They said that Cronulla was sniffing around. Obviously, their situation's a bit better now, but I think there's an outlier in Parramatta. I know they've got Cameron King there, but Pritchard's coming off a really bad injury. DeGorse is uh, probably going to be Dunsky, so... If there's anyone that can pick him up and probably be very useful, it's them. And if South Sydney don't wake up to the fact that they've got their nine right there, I just don't get it. The Bulldogs did it, South did it. They've signed him, kept him there, and then not used him. I really don't understand it. Um, and anyone that watched that game, go back and watch it and tell me I'm lying. Because the 20 minutes he got on the field, they were playing through the guts. They had their best patch. They looked outstanding. And as soon as Farrah got back on, he put a kick in, missed a tackle that led to a line break and a try. And before that, when he went off, he'd missed one that led to a try. So... Um, poles apart and like I said Cook just suits that forward pack better they need a bit of assistance getting over the advantage line and uh, his dangerous speed around the ruck certainly supplies it for a few of those bigger Burgess boys yeah uh, moving on the game we attended with Mr Gossip uh, Panthers versus the Titans 24-16 to quite disappointing uh, obviously for you and on the Titans side of things but uh, honestly I thought they, this is one they, they let go it was a pretty tight game up until when Moylan intercepted that pass and ran away but um, Penrith gave them enough errors and lost the ball there to uh, have some opportunities. But honestly, I just don't think the Titans banked on uh, any of the chances they got. And there were some poor efforts. But uh, the standout for me, again, and it was great to see him live because I obviously don't go to Penrith a whole lot. And I think he's got origin written all over him just from the way he plays his game. Is Reg- Regan Campbell-Gillard. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Look, Titans threw away. They had the better of the first half. For it to be 6 all at half time. Uh, they should have been up by 12. They didn't take their chances. Uh, look, Neil Henry, I think he got a bit narky in the press conference. Look, Neil, Ash Taylor threw two intercepts. Um, well, well one, one pass went to ground, and then there was an intercept. That led to length of the field tries. I just thought the Titans were shit. I thought the Panthers weren't much better. Uh, look, neither of those sides are going to make a real impact in the finals unless Penrith can hit a real purple patch of form. But... The Gold Coast had no excuses. They didn't have many players out. Uh, they had plenty of ball. It was a dry track. Perfect day for footy. No excuses. So, well done to Penner. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They did enough. They still haven't got me convinced, but um, they're doing enough currently to keep themselves in the in the hunt. No, and I saw exactly what I spoke about before with Moylan back with Cleary. It just doesn't work. Uh, I think he overplays his hand. They kind of stifle one another, and I still don't understand. Well, he's this week, he's been he's been uh, not named and Tyrone May's been named six. So. Yeah, well, the thing that scares me though is straight away in the reserves after one game, they've got Bryce Cartwright named 18th man, and the murmurs are he's going to go in and play 5-8. So, That's uh, craziness. If that happens again, uh, you know, uh, they may be playing the Bulldogs, but that'd be very disappointing because I think Tyrone May suits Cleary to a T. There's a good reason we mentioned him in our preseason talk, and we mentioned him last year coming through the grades in the 20s. So, uh, well, fig- now, you're talking about your, uh, you're talking about before the draw and 
you know, the Dragons and the Panthers. Well, the Dragons have got Newcastle, Panthers have got the Bulldogs. If Tara comes in, lays an egg, all of a sudden that gap goes back to four points. Yep, that's if it. the Panthers lose and the Dragons win. So Panthers need to be very, very careful. I think they've only got scope for one more loss, uh, and that's going to be relying on the Dragons to lose a few. So, you know, they're, they're two points out of the eight, and the Dragons have got, you know, they're playing the Knights up at Newcastle. It's no surety that they're going to win, but they should win that game, the yeah. Dragons. And therefore, if Penrith lose, they're going to be four points out of the eight. So to, to bring Cartwright back in after what he displayed in reserve grade and play him at 5-8 in a game, must-win game at home on Thursday night, to me, is just ludicrous. But anyway, yeah, and I, I, I couldn't... Want to make that- I couldn't take enough out of that reserve grade game. They won by an absolute squillion. He played at lock, but there was still a couple of silly passes. I saw him score yeah, a try. And... To throw him straight back into a first grade game, a must-win first grade game, that's craziness. Yeah, well, particularly when Tyra May played so well again in that game and played well on his first grade debut, I'd stick with the man who's got some run in the legs at the moment and uh, has yep. played with Nathan Cleary before. So, um... well, And Edwards. Yeah, exactly. Like... Some 20s combinations, but uh, we'll see what happens there. But moving on from that game, the Raiders versus the Storm, 20-14. to 14, The Storm get the job done there. Uh, it was quite a fast start, but they fell away a little bit. Uh, losing Smith obviously didn't help, and then Slater getting KO'd and uh, having to play on from that obviously caused a bit of a readjustment and put the pressure on. But again, Canberra, Ricky can play in all he wants. They've been awful this season. Uh, they had a poor completion rate again. Ill-discipline. And the spine, I've said it a million times, they just don't work together. There's a lot of guys that just haven't had this season you would have expected. And uh, in the end, I thought Munster was really, really good. thought Bromwich had one of his better games. And Dale Finucane grabbing a double. Uh, I don't think it's very often Dale scores any points. But Melbourne on the road, losing those two guys and having CSI still staying on the field. Um, it, it was a, a you know an ugly win, but a win nevertheless. And Canberra, again, every time they get close, they just shit the bed. Possession, so you know they had equal ball. The Raiders, they their completion rate was lower than Melbourne's. Um, the penalty count was nine nine. So I, I, I still struggle. Like the errors, the, uh, the Raiders made thirteen to Melbourne's eight. Like to me, that's and and Melbourne had a sin. I know Munster got sin right at the end of the game, but they had a play a sin bin when yeah, clearly Canberra should have had someone sent off. So I. Ricky Stewart should have been in there thanking the referees for even keeping for keeping them in, the, in that game. Well, um, the Raiders are oh, super disappointing, and the way their team's going is highlighted by the fact that they've had to move Aiden Caesar over to the left, uh, sorry, over to the right from the left, and put Blake Austin on the left. That's how dysfunctional and uh, poisonous this environment is at the moment at the Raiders. So, what a, what a disappointing season, and Ricky's got to bear the brunt of a lot of the blame, and so do the players, because they've had zero excuses. Their, their injury count is basically no one void. They haven't had injuries, so... No, and they're getting a couple of... There for Canberra, and they've been awful. Yeah, and they're getting a couple of suspensions now from that, exactly what I said, that ill-discipline within the side, and... Yeah, uh, yeah. The other thing is they signed all these guys long term, so much like a Penrith setup, there's not much movement uh, there for them to make. There's, their side's pretty much locked in, so... Um, they've got some adjustments to make in the off-season because I don't see them going 6-6 six and six and making the finals, that's for sure. Nope. But Ricky Stewart, give yourself a triple. Melbourne move on. And uh, on the back of that, positive news for them, they re-signed Jerome Hughes for two more years. I think Brody Croft signed for three more. And the young hooker, Brandon Smith, signed up to 2022. So yeah, extra four years on top. But uh, 
locking in that key yeah, spine members. The play this week, so I'm interested to see whether he plays. Yeah, well, they've got Slade Griffin in inside the 21. I think it's pretty safe to assume they're not going to risk him. So I, I think you'd see well, Griffin. You wouldn't think so. Yeah, well, they're not risking Billy. I don't think they'll risk uh, uh, Cameron there against Manly. They won't have a choice for Slade. He'll be, he'll be rubbed out. The NRL won't allow Slade to play. No, nah, well, he's already not named, so I doubt they'll bring Smith in as well. It wouldn't surprise me if Griffin got that run and Riley Jack slots straight back in and Munster goes to fullback, so no big loss yeah, for Yeah, Munster's been named at fullback, Riley Jack's at six, but Smith's been named, so it'll be interesting to see whether he plays. Yeah, well, I, I think Griffin will come in, but we'll see what happens there. But moving on, Cowboys versus the Warriors, 24-12, to 12, and I think this one can be best summed up as a forward battle. thought it was played really, really aggressively through the middle and it was a tight contest and... Uh, another one of these wins that North Queensland's found a way to get their hands on it. Uh, I thought Kieran Foran was pretty good in this game, and early on he was a bit of a difference in the kicking game between him and Morgan, who uh, didn't start off the best with his boot. And Mentoring, as always. I, I feel bad for Simon Mentoring. I know I've said that a million times, probably the last four or five years we've been doing this show, but every single week he busts his ass, and I don't know how he stayed there all this time. I really don't. If he would have went to a Sydney club or a Melbourne or something like that, he would have been welcome with open arms, and he'd probably have a premiership ring, to be honest. Tom Lowell, Ethan Lowell, these guys, I thought they had some pretty good games. Java Bowen, uh, late inclusion, he was very, very good. Nice runaway try, but I think it's just mainly the fact they can grind out these games. I know they've been against sides outside the eight, but, uh, yeah, my, my implication the last few weeks has been that they can win the comp, but if they somehow got to a prelim, I think they'd lose, but it really wouldn't surprise me if they upset somebody uh, in the finals that, you know, is ahead of yeah, them or yeah, should agree. do better. Um, but yeah, New Zealand, it's just one of those years. Mason Lino, nice to see him play first grade again. It's been one of those bloody. It's been six years, I think, since they've been in the finals. It's just incredible. The dysfunction of the Warriors, like of underachievement, and it just eats coaches. And there's some serious, serious questions that are going to be asked of the Warriors. Well, they're, wow. they're player killers as well, which worries me because Tohu Harris is heading back there. Sheck, I think, still had the effort since he's been there, but just doesn't have the environment around him. But. Uh, I, I fear for anyone like that that does seem to go back there because it doesn't ever end well. Yep, have fun. Playing so, yeah, very uh, very iffy kind of setup. But their season is over. The Cowboys march on and we move on to that Dragons game, 52-22 to against Manly. And I was kind of dumbfounded how, with Coruscant already out, that you rest Lawrence and Green. Um, unless they're injured and really, really struggling, I don't see how you're resting two guys when you're in the hunt for the top four. And they basically shot themselves in the foot now and put themselves in a harder spot to get a top four position. And you think you'd really want that when you were already short of your top 25 and missing a big chunk of your salary cap to two players you can't even use this year. So on that front, I just thought that was dumb, uh, to be honest, from Trent Barrett. And I just thought that 
St. George got back to the basis of their game from the start here, which is the power game. DeBellin, Vaughan, Armour, all these guys were outstanding. They absolutely punished them through the middle. We don't put on a masterclass. Um, yeah, they did score off a couple of kicks, but Dufty from the back provided a dynamic they've been missing. Uh, that speed to drift across field, he chipped in with the ball playing, and he found himself a try at the end of the day. Um, yeah, they did have that lapse in the second half where Manly came back, but uh, they steered things right. They scored 20-something points unanswered in the end. And to be honest for Manly, I think the big thing is it was kind of easy to target what they were going to be doing because as soon as Green's out, as soon as Coruscant's out, you know all the football's going to that right edge with Cherry Evans. And he was picked off a couple of times and threw a couple of bad passes. So, yeah, very surprised that Trent Barrett was willing to rest a couple of guys when he was already missing Coruscant. Yeah, I, I, get that. I get that argument. I tend to agree, but, you know, if they're injured, who knows that they're, whether they're injured or not. I mean, they're going to the players that come in should have done a better job. Simple as that. Like, for, for any first-grade side to leak 30 points in the first half is embarrassing, and regardless of who you got on the field. Like, how many times have Newcastle been down by 30 this year at half-time? Oh. I don't even have been down by 30 at half-time at any, any point. No, I think they've only been beaten so, badly twice. Penrith hammered them once. Twice. That's what I mean. So it's a, it's a worrying, worrying sign. And this is why I just can't convince myself that Manly can really challenge for the comp this year. That's why I've got them outside that, those four teams at the top, and I just think there's a clear drop-off because, to me, they've just got this in them. Uh, and they're immature as a football side. I, I think they're going to develop nicely eventually into a good team, but I, I just see them as you know, one year into what is probably a three- or four-year progression as a, as, a, as a young team. Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, Dragons, they'd obviously be pretty happy that they've kind of stopped the skids. They're looking pretty dicey for a while there and uh, I think a lot of people are pretty happy that they're finally seeing Matt Dufty knowing that Dugan's leaving and they're pretty excited it is only one game obviously but uh, it was a pretty impressive debut to say the least for Matt Dufty so fingers crossed uh, he can produce that kind of football and probably give himself a, a bit of the front running in pre-season next year to keep that spot well yeah, yeah. Like, well they've got to find a replacement for, for Dugs don't they so yeah it's, it's looking that way that's for sure yeah, well, moving on from that one, the last game of the round was the Eels and the Tigers, 17-16. The Eels got the job done there. Uh, I thought the Tigers, again, much like Newcastle, not as worse off, I guess, as squad is concerned, but another gallant effort. Defensive, defensive attitudes improved a lot under Ivan Cleary, but they still can't close games out. Uh, Luke Brooks, I think, has been better since he's been there, but still not 80-minute performances. And between him and Tui Lola here, I don't think that has quite meshed. I know Reynolds is going there next year and is most likely to be in the halves with him, but... Yeah, I think Lola his spot's definitely going to be fullback. He's a little bit too erratic in the halves uh, with Brooks. And that second half, though, just it seems like it's on repeat every week. It, the Eels seem to be very, very good in the first half. And then the second half, they come out and they just can't finish games off. Mm. They start the games well, don't they? But uh, I went to this game, I went and watched it live. It was, it was ugly. I thought for the first 15, it was quite entertaining. Both sides were was high completions and they were, they were giving it to each other but after that it just turned into I, I thought the Eels played too laterally um, West West have got footy in them they, they you know they they, uh, they give you a lot of football and they have, they have a crack but they're just lacking that quality aren't they that polish to the end of their sets and it's just a little bit of class like James Tedesco, wow. he's going to be such a big loss for them. He, the, what he gives them, like when you watch them live and you look at the field and look at the movement off the ball, 
he, for the majority of the time, is the only player that's not on the ball, that's moving off the ball, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of guys there just don't push up. They, they're not aware on the short side. They're not, you know, looking up and playing footy and playing what's in front of them. But Tedesco, he is an unbelievable footballer. And he's Slater-like. Like, at this, at this point in his career, like, I hope he stays injury-free. He's had some horrendous injuries, obviously, but... I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying he's going to be Billy Slater, but he moves like Slater. Uh, he's got the game awareness, I think, not that matches Slater, but uh, it's, it's right up there. There's not there's not many players in the game, I think, that are as game aware as Tedesco and Slater. Uh, and he's still got a little bit of developing to be done in that regard. But uh, he was great to watch him live, and you feel a little bit sorry for him playing that side. But, man, the Roosters, he's going to take that Rooster side to a whole new level next year. I think he's a better footballer than two of us to Sheck and uh, look at what they did with Sheck at, um, at full-back. So, you know, big things ahead for, for Teddy once he gets to the Roosters. Um, but West, look, they've improved, no doubt, under Ivan. And it was interesting, Ivan came out after the game and said it was clear clear to see what Parramatta have been doing in uh, in their two weeks off. So sort of insinuating that they were wrestling and slowing the play the ball down, uh, which I didn't overly notice during the game, to be fair. Um Look, I think Parramatta were really, really lucky to get away with it. Like you said, they started well in the second half. They, they laid an egg, but they, they managed to win it, which is a good sign because that's probably a game, as Brad Arthur said, that they, you know, over the last few years, they'd probably lose that game. Yeah. Literally, you know, they just give those games, sort of games away. But important win for Parramatta because it sort of cements them above the drag, keeps them out of that scrap that it, that it is for those bottom positions in the eight. But a huge loss in Gutherson, like Gutherson going out. He's going to play, a, will have a massive impact. French will go back to one probably, and but I don't think he's going to have the same impact at one that what uh, Gutherson's had, particularly in the last sort of, well, three months, while, while ever the, the competition's been origin affected. Uh, but I, I thought the Parramatta halves didn't run the ball at all. They just tip, tip out to the edges, tip, tip out to the edges. I, Corey Norman's relying a lot on Mitchell Moses. I, I wish. Corey Norman had taken retake control of that side and let Moses play on the back of him. So I think they're still working their combination out as well. Yeah, I've said it a few times in the last few weeks. I really feel that since Moses has got there that Norman has become a bit of a, a passenger and I, I want to see him take control again and especially just run the football, which you've mentioned. And uh, He had a couple of bad moments, just a couple of errors, a few silly penalties, and he kicked the ball out on the floor, I think, twice. So uh, it wasn't his best game. He obviously did kick the winning field goal, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's been fairly quiet since Moses has got there. He has been, yeah. Uh, well, for them, it was a mixed night, but you've got your typicals that went really well. I thought Nathan Brown again, outstanding. Mahu, solid on return, and sad news about Gutherson. He's had an ACL before. He was in outstanding form, and uh, he'll be lucky to be right for the start of next year, to be honest. I think, as someone said today, seven months probably to the date of kickoff, which would be the absolute bare minimum for an ACL, and it's a repeat injury, so... Um, it's going to be hard for him to be back by round one, but all the best for him in his recovery. But uh, that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. The last thing we've got to do here, I've got uh, Mr. Gossip's Dirt, and then obviously we'll give our tips and the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. But the dirt first from Mr. Gossip. Latu, we said it the other week um, that clubs were quite keen on him, Leilani Latu, and him saying that he's not going anywhere, or apparently telling Fibs and where there's smoke, there's fire. We've mentioned that before. Three clubs keen on him with the Warriors, a late contender. 
they could do with some size, but again, I don't know if that's the place Leilani wants to be heading. No, I agree with that. Yeah, they do need a prop, and we, we were pretty we identified that in the in the preseason preview. That was the hole really for the Warriors, wasn't it? The up front, um, Madalino going out. They do need a prop, so if they can get Latu, it would be a good sign. But yeah, based on what they do culturally, the players, it's I don't know whether it's the best move from Leilani, but uh, if he's got a move, then you got to move. you got to take the contract where it is or where it's available. Yeah, true of that. Uh, the next bit, we spoke about this earlier. Des Hasler is safe despite reports. Obviously, that board meeting that you'd mentioned, uh, he has that $1 million payout clause if it is terminated before February, and he thinks, uh, this is from Mr. Gossip, that they will find the funds to employ Dean Pay, who is obviously a former dog, the one they've mentioned a million times to be linked with that job if Des does head out the door, so... Uh, maybe it still is just a matter of time. I think it's more likely going to be what I said, which is they'll wait until next year. They'll bring Kieran Foreign Woods in the few guys he signed and probably give him six to eight weeks. And if it's not looking good, he'll be sacked and Dean Pay will be ready and waiting. Mm-hmm. I'd punt him now. I'm with you. I'd just bite the bullet, but it looks like they're not going to do it, despite the fact they keep having these emergency board meetings. Mm. They... We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I don't see the point in derailing another season you know you know what it is he's had enough time to fix it um and he hasn't so he, and he's got to he's got to take responsibility for that look if he hadn't won those competitions at manly he would have been gone the end of well not the end of last year but i think he would have been gone at the start of this year yeah and i think again he's saving grace is probably the fact he's made two grand finals since he's been there but the last one was 2014 so uh, you know, this is season three removed from that and they're not going to be playing finals football and they've been going backwards since that season and the last bit here, it's only a quiet week on the gossip front, is Mitchell Rain. We've spoken about this a million times. Uh, there's a few clubs that are keen, but he must lower his asking price or play badminton, according to gossip. So same problem as always. He's looking for a decent contract. No one's willing to give. Uh, I'm surprised, that, again, that someone hasn't been willing to pay him. Not ridiculous money, but at least solid money, well, considering what's, what's out there. Decent, what's decent con- What are we talking what? Well, uh, let's put it this way. I know when he was at the Dragons, he was on close to four fifty five hundred, and I think he basically wanted the same deal or a little bit more. So with the cap increase, I can get where they were coming from. Um, but yeah, I think now what would his asking price be? I reckon his asking price would probably be around the three fifty four hundred mark. And to be honest, with some of the hookers that are playing in the comp right now and the lack of nines, I probably would pay three fifty to four hundred for Mitch Rain. I give him. I give him three. Yeah, well, I couldn't disagree. Depending how desperate I am, and depending how the rest of the cap looks, you could you could cop three fifty, four hundred. But there's definitely a few clubs that can use a nine. And uh, if you told me I could have Mitch Rain for three hundred, three fifty, or Robbie Farah for seven hundred thousand, I know who I'd prefer. Yeah, well, the Tigers are paying Robbie Farah. Well, he, they're paying part of it, but uh, the Rabbitohs added the extra year and some money as well. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a few clubs that have nines in the situation they're, they're in. Yeah, well, quite silly, but yeah, Mitchell Rain, Newcastle, supposedly keen to add him on part of their roster and help out. Well, that'd, be, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be. Well, they got Young Starling there, but he's probably a few years away. I, I'd stick with Levi, but I mean, if you, if you get Rain and then you got your, that option, you could play dual hookers, I suppose. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I suppose they're going to go dual. The way Levi uh, likes to play, yeah, Levi you doesn't. Got you got death. It creates, um, you know, competition for spots, which is healthy. So. Yeah, well, the way that Levi plays isn't really conducive to 80 minutes anyway. He likes to run the ball, get out and be a spark plug. So I think him and Rainer are a pretty good tandem. 
Yeah. Uh, but that's all the gossip he has for this week. So big thanks to Mr. Gossip. Good to catch up on the weekend, champion. But now on to the games for the weekend and the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Uh, you got to love their app, the old price pump. I love it. Once a day, you get an uh, increased price on a horse or a dog, if you like that kind of thing. I used it on Saturday. Had a nice win when we went out for a beer box head and... Obviously, no one does it better than WilliamHill.com. But the first game to kick off this weekend, it is the Panthers versus the Bulldogs on the Panthers' front. Moylan is out. They have named Tyron Mate at six, but there is Cartwright on the extended bench maybe to take that spot. The Bulldogs, uh, their side is unchanged, basically. But James Graham, he's been named uh, to return from injury, and they've finally stopped messing around, naming Frawley on the bench. He's at seven, Moses and Byers at nine, and Leisha is on the pine, but I'll be tipping the Panthers. Um, I still think they're quite inconsistent, but the Bulldogs are just terrible. Yeah, Panthers, no confidence at all. Yep. Like Thursday night home, they need to win, Bulldogs don't. Yep, and Gossip here agrees there. $1.42 of the Panthers with WilliamHill.com, two ninety for the Dogs, minus 6.5 is the line, 1-12 to Panthers, two ninety four dollars Dogs, 13-plus Panthers, two sixty and 13-plus for Dogs, $8. The second game is the Warriors, and they're at home to the Sharkies. No James Maloney. He is out this week, so New Brown. He moves into the halves. He's plenty equipped to play there. Segarra to nine. On the flip side of that for the Warriors, they've named an unchanged lineup. Um, honestly, even though they're at home and Maloney's out, uh, I'm going to stick with the Sharks. I, I think this could be an upset kind of game, but at the same time, it is the Warriors. So, yeah. Yeah, Warriors. Oh, oh sorry, Sharks. Oh. I can't take the Warriors. No, I agree 100%, and so does Gossip. So clean sweep again, and with WilliamHill.com, the Sharks, $1.65 favourites, two twenty six for the Warriors, minus 3.5 is the line. 1-12 to Warriors, three fifty two eighty five the Sharks, 13-plus Warriors, $6.350 for the Sharks. The Eels, they play the Broncos. Tough one, like we said, with Gutherson out. So French, he has moved back to fullback. Besides that, Josh Hoffman, he joins the side on the wing, so that's a small change there. Possibly he could go back to play fullback, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. The Brisbane side of things, Darius Boyd returns, and Nikarima, he drops out of the 17, so that quite surprises me. He's been pretty good for him, but um, this one I think is pretty easy to tip. I'm going to stick with Brisbane to keep building momentum, and that Gutherson blow I think is massive for the Eels. Yeah, Brisbane. Be right. Gutherson out, the way they played last week, short turnaround. Um, Brisbane with a few guys back, I'll tip the Broncos. Yep, and Gossip agrees there, and so does WilliamHill.com. $1.50 for the Broncos, 262 for the Eels, minus six and a half is the line. One to twelve para four dollars two ninety Brisbane. Thirteen plus para eight dollars two dollars sixty for Brisbane. Uh, the Knights, they play the Dragons. They blew that lead early in the year, so I'm sure they'll be seeking some sort of revenge, but for them, basically unchanged besides Chanel Mataudia. He's out, and Ken Sia returns to the side. On the flip that for the Dragons, Ewan Aitken, he's been in, out, in, out uh, each week, but Matt Dufty, he's held his spot at fullback, and Josh Dugan moves in to replace Aitken at the centres, so probably finishing the year out in that position that he's most likely to play for the Sharks, and uh, I'm going to stick with the Dragons because you'd expect them to kick on and head towards final football, but wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle at home give them a run for their money. Yeah, Dragons. Clean sweep all around again here. Gossip is also on the Dragons, and they are $1.25 with William Hill. 
Newcastle 405 minus 10 and a half is the line. 1 to 12 Knights, $5, 290 the Dragons. 13 plus the Knights, $11, 210 for the Dragons. South Sydney versus the Raiders. Uh, hard to make much of this one because they've both been pretty ordinary this year. But on the flip side for Canberra, C.S. Saliola obviously out. Jordan Rapano, he took the early guilty plea for his shoulder charge as well. So the changes for them. See Michael Oldfield, who moved mid-season. He comes on to a wing. Uh, and Joseph Tapine, who just comes back into the back row with Luke Bateman starting at lock. Uh, for South, Braden Burns, he's out of the side. Heimel Hunt returns in a bit of a reshuffle. Alex Johnston now at fullback. Terrell Fumano plays in the centres. Cody Walker back to six. And Sutton into the back row. Who do you like in this one, Boxhead? This is a tough game, man. Tough, tough game. Um, look, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to tip South. I can't tip Canberra. Yeah, it's a hard one, and I had Souths as well, and pretty much similar reasons to you. The reshuffle, I don't have a big problem with. Uh, I like. I, I actually like that. I like the reshuffle. I like the fact that Heimel Hunt comes back into the side, but it's more just Canberra for me. Again, CSL Ola being out, Papali still has another week to run. Uh, Rapana missing hurts their yardage game, and I just don't have enough trust in the spine or their bench. So as bad as South have been, I'm sticking with them. But Mr. Gossett, he has tipped the Raiders and uh, the odds with William Hill. They are the favourites, the Raiders, at $1.52. South's $2.56. Minus 4.5 is the line. 1 to 12, Rabbitohs, $3.75. $3 for the Raiders. 13 plus for South, $6. And $3 for the Raiders. Uh, the Roosters, they take on the Cowboys in what should be a decent game of football. Connor Watson holds his spot at the back there. Victor Radley, he takes the nine jersey again. And besides that, uh, the only change is Joseph Manu back into the centres, Orbison back into the back row, and Guerra to the bench. Uh, for the Cowboys, Winterstein returns in place of Java Bowen, and John Asiata starts in the front row with Sean Johnson back to the bench. I'm going to tip the Roosters only because it's in Sydney. Uh, and they've had a pretty decent turnaround because they played early. But, again, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys could grind this game out somewhat. But uh, Radley at nine again, Watson at one. I'm going to put a little bit of faith in the Roosters. But, yeah, uh, this is a really tough one. Yeah, Roosters. Again, because, like you said, it's in Sydney. Yeah, this, again, this is one of those games I look at, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys make it ugly enough to get the job done. Gossip, he's gone the Roosters as well. Now the favourites with William Hill, $1.60, 236 for the Cowboys, minus four is the line. One to twelve Roosters, two ninety, three seventy-five for the Cowboys, thirteen plus for the Roosters, three twenty, and six dollars for the Cowboys. Sunday football starts down in Melbourne. Uh, they are playing manly. Couple of changes here. Obviously, Munster goes back to fullback with Billy Slater being rubbed out. Uh, the other one here is obviously Slade Griffin on an extended bench and Smith being named, but all the talk was it'd be a minimum of two weeks. So I get the feeling he won't be playing. Um, but yeah, as far as those changes are concerned, not a whole lot else has changed. Joe Stimson, though, he gets a start in the back row and they've obviously got Jordan McLean returning in their 21 after a bit of time off. So whether he comes in late or not is also another story for Manly. Hastings and Lussick are out. They get back Chorus out. They get back Green. They get back Cherry Evans. And I'm going to do the reverse jinx. I'm going to tip Manly. Yeah, I'm, I'm tipping Manly. I think they'll win if Smith's out. Yeah, well, I've just got that inkling that, again, they might be playing silly buggers for no reason, but no him. Well, and Melbourne always, Melbourne always go into a little while. He's just after Origin. 
So I, I expect them to dip a little bit over the next month. Yeah, it just wouldn't surprise me again if those two are out, if they struggle a little bit. And Manly were poor last week, so with all those players back, they should be looking to bounce back. And Gossip, he's tipped the Storm. Can't blame him for that. It is in Melbourne, and they are the favourites with William Hill. $1.65 for the Storm, two twenty six Manly. Minus three and a half is the line. One to twelve storm is two ninety. Three fifty manly. Thirteen plus storm three fifty and five fifty manly. And the last game of the round it is your mob. It is the Titans. They are playing the Tigers. Uh, the only change there: Hurrell out, obviously with that hamstring injury. So John Olive comes into the centres, and Carl Lawton uh, he's on the bench replacing Kane Elgi uh, for the Tigers. Chris Lawrence is back into the starting side, and Soaso Sue returns on the bench. From suspension, uh, it's up there at the Gold Coast, so I'm going to tip the Titans, and Gossip has also tipped the Titans. Yeah, Titans for me. Yeah, it's hard to see, uh, you know, where things are coming from for the Tigers. They've put a valiant effort in, but Titans surely should be disappointed from last week. And they're heavy favourites with William Hill, $1.26. The Tigers, three ninety minus ten and a half is the line. One to twelve Titans, two ninety five. Tigers, five dollars. Thirteen plus Titans, two ten. And for the Tigers is $11. So that wraps up all the uh, tips there from us and Mr. Gossip. And uh, those odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. And just looking at some futures markets here, I I guess if you're going to look at anything right now, it's the top four where you might find some value. Boxhead with a few teams sniffing around there. But Melbourne, they're basically all but a short at two. The Roosters a dollar ten, Brisbane a dollar forty five, and two dollar sixty for the Sharks. But uh, do you see any value, or maybe the Cowboys or Manly taking a spot no. at two fifty and three dollars? No. no, I think it's clear that that'll be the top four. Yep, not interested in that. And as far as the top eight, we spoke earlier about St George and Penrith. It's pretty clear cut with William Hill here. Uh, they've got the Dragons a dollar thirty three to make it. Penrith a dollar eighty. The next one behind them is obviously the Raiders. They're at five dollars, but. Yeah, couldn't see that one happening. Um, yeah, to make the grand final, this is probably one that's a bit more of interest. If you're happy with Melbourne, they're a dollar sixty favourite. The Roosters three dollars, Sharks three twenty five, Brisbane three fifty, and for a smoky like Manly or North Queensland, six or seven dollars. But uh, that would be a long shot. No one else besides that, I think, is playing in the grand final in the Premiership market. It's got shorter and shorter all year. Melbourne, the clear favourite with William Hill. $2.65, $6 about the Roosters, seven fifty now the Broncos in evens with uh, Cronulla at seven fifty, And again, uh, two outsiders in the Cowboys and Manly, 13 and 15 If you're a Penrith Desperado who thinks somehow they're going to catch fire, they're $19. But, yeah, it's hard to see anyone outside that top four winning this competition this year. Any Panthers fan, I'll give you 50 to 1. You've got over 100 on, but... Oh, there you go. He's willing to take you on. And the wooden spoon market, it's still pretty clear-cut. Being too clear, the Tigers, they're at $11 to get the spoon. Newcastle now $1.03, the poor bastards. So not getting any better for any Newcastle supporters out there. What's, um... we got a charity... Oh, i got a charity bet up on the weekend. Um, and what are we going to do this week? I, I think we both tipped Manly and we both tipped South. I reckon we just have both of them. Have 50 or whatever on each. Yeah, well, if you put if you put those together, I think it's about five bucks. So it's not a bad pay. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put them together. I just have them uh, each. Two fifty dollar bets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, once you take the dividend out, uh, sorry, the stake out, it's about seventy five a piece. So it's probably not a bad bet. Yeah. What? Um, have you got an update on us for the tips? Who's leading? 
Yep, and the tips after this week, man, Gossip both got six, you got seven, so now we're all one separate. Gossip still leads on 90, you are on 89, and I'm on 88, so getting very tight. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to choke the big man. Oh, putting the pressure on him. Well, I called it when he was seven ahead or whatever. I said, it's a long season. We'll, we'll come good, and here we come. Yep, run our way back, that's for sure. Tipped a couple of decent ones the last couple of weeks, but uh, for everybody out there, like I said, different circumstances uh, this week, being fresh out of hospital, but we've pulled it together, and box, obviously, busy day, busy weekend, and uh, got some coaching stuff going on, but... Yeah, no fan questions this week, but hopefully next week, um, all things being back to normal, hopefully we can meet up and I'm not feeling so bad and we can get gossip back on and do some fan questions. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.